0: Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm today to get started. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Ministry Minded Podcast. This is a show that seeks to marvel at the mercy of God that meets us in our messy ministries. I'm, of course, your host, Brad Gray, and this is episode number 29. And I'm so excited for today's show. Uh, I'm excited to be joined by my friend, David Morse. David He's a longtime internet friend. Um, We met a long time ago, which we'll kind of get into at the beginning of this show. Uh, On Twitter, we did some writing projects together, and uh, it's been so good to stay connected with him throughout the years. Uh, David now is a minister of the gospel uh, to the folks of New England. He and his wife, Jamie, are planning a church up in Portland, Maine. And he longs to see the lives of these New Englanders renewed by the, as he puts it crazy, life-changing gospel of grace. And uh, David is a great man of God, and I'm blessed to know him, God blessed to be his friend. And his story is another amazing testimony to God's Faithfulness and patience uh, with us, and uh, as he was drawn to the Lord and given this mission to plant a church. Uh, I love just chatting with David and just ch- talking with him, and I think you'll be really blessed by this conversation. I- I'm really excited for him and his journey of expanding God's kingdom up there in Maine. And uh, so just sit back and enjoy this conversation as we talk about the gospel, about church planting, and about uh, ministry in general. Uh, before we begin uh, the show today, though, I have to remind you that we are brought to you by the Christian Standard Bible. The Christian Standard Bible offers an optimal blend of accuracy and readability, which inspires lifelong discipleship and helps readers make a deeper connection with God's Word. To find out more about the Christian Standard Bible, go to csbible.com. And now, for David Morse. All right, David, thanks for uh, coming on the show tonight. I appreciate you making the time for this. I'm finally glad we're able to make it happen. So uh,
1: how are you doing? I'm doing good, Brad. Thanks so much for the invite. I really appreciate it and look forward to talking with you.
0: Yeah, me too. And a uh, little uh, known internet factoid, me and you, man, long time ago when you were running a project called the 127 Project, how many years ago was that when we were writing there?
1: Oh man, that was that must have been like two thousand eleven, two thousand twelve.
0: Yeah, dude, that was so a <laughs> so fun, short lived little project. But it was I'm, I still have good memories of writing and connecting with you. So it's good that we can finally sit down this many years later and still uh, be Twitter friends. I guess you could say.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, it's it's awesome. It was a cool little uh, cool that we like met through that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um. So many. Um. Probably most. are Maybe not. Might not be familiar with you and what you're doing and what your ministry is. So if you can just kind of start by introducing yourself and kind of what you're doing, I know that now you're in Maine. So, um, just, yeah, just kind of introduce yourself and your family.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, uh, there's no reason why anyone would know me, um, <laughs> unless you grew up in my little circle with me, uh, out here in Maine. So I, I, um, I'm a, I'm a Maine boy, um, born and raised, uh, live, grew up in a small town. Um, and, um, moved to the Midwest when I was in college, um, spent about 10 years, uh, between Wisconsin and Minneapolis, um, and, uh, did a lot of various things. We'll probably get into, into some of that. Um, but currently, uh, my family, uh, just relocated from Minneapolis back to our home state, uh, of Maine. And we are now in what I'm calling phase one of planting a church in Portland, um, the, the quote unquote big city of Maine, um, (laughs) or Portland as, as I like to call it as well.
0: that's awesome. I, I, am so just like incredibly excited for you and Jamie to, uh, plant the church there in New England and in Portland. I'm just super pumped for that. And so just sort of, um, sort of talk about like the process and sort of the vision behind, uh, why you're planting in Portland.
1: Yeah, definitely. So, um, if you don't mind, I'll I'll step really back. Like, yeah, I I really feel like our church planting journey starts way back. um, I would say probably when I'm in high school. Um, Just from the standpoint of, I grew up in an extremely conservative, um, fundamentalist, if you will, home, Um, and um, during my high school years, I, I really. Um, wrestled with whether or not I really wanted anything to do with Christianity in general, um, just everything that I had seen um, I was not uh, really enticed by um, there was nothing in it that really that that I wanted to be a part of and so really, my move to the Midwest was actually a move um, in, in my own heart out of rebellion um, to try and get as far away from my family as I possibly could and everything I knew at that time uh, of church but as as you and I are both well aware, God's just so gracious in his pursuit of us. And um, as I progressed through college, um, just uh, the, the person of Jesus became real to me, um, a, a, a treasure in my life. And um, it was during those years where I really began to understand uh, the grace of the gospel, the grace that comes to us in the gospel of Jesus Christ and what that means for my life. And, um, while I was in college kind of going through, um, this time of really understanding the gospel for the first time, um, it, it just so happened that I was, I had the opportunity to just be a member at a, a small church plant and it really whet my appetite for church planting, um, and what that looked like. Um, so fast forward just a little bit, um, a couple of years later, where um I continue to uh with my wife understand what it means that the gospel has implications for everyday life, that Jesus is the center of everything. Um, you know, and 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 while I'm while I'm just really getting excited about that and soaking all of that in um and really just being like Excited to share that message with, with others. Um, I'm having the opportunity to work in um, some other churches that are very much into church planting. And really, just it was a continual growth towards this like merger of some entrepreneurial um, leanings that I had, as well as this desire and this calling that God was putting on my life um, uh, to go into the, the ministry, to be a minister of the gospel um, to his people. And so as all of these things are kind of just going, it was like this perfect concoction of like, you know, I think church planting might be something that God would have us to step into at some point. And, um, you know, we all have, we have our plans and, um, it seems like our, my timetable, at least in my own life is always accelerated a little bit faster than, um, what, what God's timetable is. And, um, you know, uh, I think I originally wanted to plant a church like shortly out of college and it was like, no, (laughs) God is like, no, hold on. And um, he was gracious to just keep, to take me through um, a couple more chapters of learning and uh, developing and maturing and being around really wise, gracious um, men and women who just were willing to take me by the hand and help me grow. And um, yeah, so this past um, September, Um, uh, basically our church, like I mentioned, uh, sent us out, um, from Northeast Minneapolis to the Northeast. And, um, yeah, so we're on on ground, you know, on, on the ground now, um, basically relearning what it means to be Mainers and, uh, (laughs) live among the people of Maine and to, um, yeah, just making connections here.
0: That's so cool. It's so cool to hear, like, just how God sort of, like, develops, like, the passion in you, because, you know, not everyone like, sort of knows what they're going to do right out of college and, and such. Um, uh, so, like, I guess I would say, ask you this, like, was, do you think church planting was, like, always on your heart, or was it something that kind of, like, like, grew over time as you saw more, like, as you got into different ministries?
1: Yeah. Um, so I think it was, I think it was always there. Um, I think, uh, uh, a storyline in my own life is that it, a lot of things that originally grow out of probably impure motives, um, <laughs> God ends up using for his, for his good. And so, like I mentioned my move to the Midwest, not necessarily being something because I was like pursuing, you know, pursuing God. Um, and yet he used that to just really helped me to fall in love with the bigness of his grace. Mm -hmm. Um, even church planting, I think originally started being born out of this idea that like I saw imperfections and warts in the church, um, and in churches that I was part of and part of me thought like we can do better. Mm -hmm. And, um, that doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing. Um, but you know, for me, I think there's a lot of impure motives there. Um, (laughs) and yet, um, God in his grace is just like using even my leanings and wirings to say, no, this is, this is what I have for you. Um, it's not because you're going to come out and like do something like, you know, be be this rock star and like do everything right and have a perfect church and all that. Obviously we know that's not going to be the case. Um, but, um, you know, he, he was using that as part of my story. And I think that's cool. And, um, yeah, having the, having the opportunity, I think once you are part of a church that's committed to multiplying churches and multiplying disciples, um, it's really easy to catch that passion. Mm. Um, it it really wets your appetite when you really start spending time around guys who are committed to the multiplication of disciples. There's a crossing of, um, of boundaries for the kingdom's sake, um, that might not happen in other, uh, other churches. Um, there is a, um, a, what I'd call a good pragmatism where, mm-hmm. um, basically we're not so committed to toe the party line, if you will, but we desire the gospel of Christ to go forward, and so we want to be committed to what allows that to happen in our context. Um, and it, though seeing those things at play and knowing that all of it was rooted in the desire for Christ's name to be made famous um, was just so attractive to me. Um, and so I think that's what continually grew the passion within me for church planting, um, specifically for Maine, as I was able to sit and to worship um, alongside brothers and sisters and to see um, Christ-centered churches um, in the Midwest. Uh, My wife and I frequently had the opportunity to say like, wow, this, we don't remember this in Maine. Mm. Like, like there's not a lot of this in New England. And yeah, we don't have our finger on everything that's going on in New England or what was going on during the the you know, couple decades that we were here growing up. Um, but we we had a feeling that what we were experiencing um, in a large way was missing. Yeah. And as we started to study and to look harder and to talk and have conversations with people, we realized, wow, like there is a there's a famine, if you will, of churches that are committed to preaching the radical nature of the grace of the gospel of Jesus. And that pained us knowing how much, how many family and friends we had here, um, that they did not have a church like that, that they could root themselves to.
0: Well, that's awesome. I'm so just very incredibly excited for you guys. And um, I'm f- just praying really hard that uh, the Lord blesses you and all in his timing, of course. And uh, but I'll definitely be supporting you guys in any way I can. Um, Thanks, man. Yeah, I was, um, I know that you've, you know, you, you said before that um, during this, when you went out mid, in the Midwest, you sort of, uh, that Jesus sort of became real to you. I would probably describe that like Jared Wilson does uh, as like gospel wakefulness. Mm. And uh, like you, I sort of came out of a very conservative, fundamentalist background um, And so it's it's interesting that I think that uh, we both sort of had uh, that gospel wakefulness wakefulness sort of experience each time or 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 what have you. um, What was sort of like like the the linchpin of your, for lack of a better way to say it, your gospel wakefulness sort of moment, if I can say that something cliche.
1: Yeah, no, no, that's really good. And way to drop a drop a new England guy there. So, yeah,
0: there
1: we go. Yeah. <laughs> Jared, Jared Wilson has gone away now, but he's <laughs> new Englander on the, um, the family. <laughs> yeah. He's still a Pat's fan. That's all that matters. Uh, um, you know, there's a, there's a few different, um, times in my life where I, I think God really was opening my eyes that I would say are like watershed type moments. Um, when I was in college, um, a friend handed me a couple books, and um, one of them was "God Is the Gospel," mm. and really, that was the first uh, book that basically clued me in that something bigger was at play um, in the story, uh, the faith that I that I called my own. Um, that something something bigger was happening than what I had ever experienced. Um, so that was one thing. The next thing was when I, when I was in Minneapolis, um, my wife and I started attending a church. And um, during that time, the church was going through um, the book of Hosea.
2: Hmm.
1: And the book of Hosea has become one of the most like life-changing books for me. Um, basically, in that you have um, God telling this prophet to go out and, and take this wife gomer this prostitute and despite her unfaithfulness go out and get her again and pursue her and, and really this picture um of this never-ending love this never-ending pursuit of god towards his people that i remember sitting in those services listening to this wondering where was this all my life like why why didn't i ever recognize this and it's not to like shift the blame anywhere um Except, like, it, me, I didn't, I, I never, like, looked for this. I never saw this in the scriptures. And that was just a revolutionary book, book for me. Um, at that time, I was about 20, 24 years old, 23, 24 years old. And um, my, for both my wife and I, um, it was the first time where we really, I describe it as our, our world view that the gospel changes everything went from being really small to becoming really rich and big and robust. Like
2: mm-hmm.
1: like our worldview that like Christianity isn't just a system of faith, but it's it's really an explanation of all of reality. Um mm-hmm. that is where that idea developed and that was so life changing so that we could actually go home and say, okay, the gospel doesn't just change my Sunday routine, but the gospel actually has something to say for my marriage and my vocation and, um, you know, my leisure and my rest and all of this, all of these things. And so it opened this new window of of opportunity to ask questions that I had never asked before um, about grace and about Christ.
0: That's awesome. Like, similarly, it wasn't the book of Hosea, it was actually my, you know, every pastor will say, oh, this is my favorite chapter. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> the Gospel of Luke in chapter 15 is honestly my favorite chapter in the Bible and it's just, I mean, it's just the three you know main stories there of the coin and the sheep and the prodigal son, of course, is similarly to Hosea, just the ideas of the father running out to this lost son like the husband going after his prostitute bride and it's to me in the sense that uh, like you know i just grew up never really hearing it explained in a way that i had sort of had my eyes open to and ever since then i realized that i'm that that stupid prodigal and that's why i'm so passionate about after and the grace of the whole Bible, just because I know how how desperately I need it, <laughs> and I know I'm not the only one. So, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. And like when you when you taste it for the first time, you you be you, you just want everyone to we you ever, you want everyone to hear it. Like that that is the good news that that I am so passionate about people like sharing with people um, yeah. because I felt like that was that was hidden and obscured for me. Um, whether that was because of sin in myself or whether that was because of just, you know, other, other factors, like that was obscured. And I don't want that for other people. I want people to be able to, to really breathe in deeply the mm-hmm. grace of God for them and to experience the joy that comes when we actually see Christ as, as everything. Like, <laughs> um, and, and, so, yeah, that, Oh man, I totally resonate with you. Like It was just, um, you know, there's a chapter of our life there um, in the Midwest where I think God was really telling both me and my wife, Jamie, to like, you know, David, sit and rest and, and and let me serve you. Like for so long, so it's so easy for us, especially ministry types, to get so encumbered with <laughs> serve, 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 serve. That we forget, like the story of Mary and Martha, that that was cumbered about with much serving, and Mary chose the good, the the good thing, the better thing, to sit at the feet and be served by Jesus. And mm-hmm. really, there was a chapter there where that even just came alive, where you know, not to be served, but to serve, mm-hmm. and to give his life a ransom, and that was something that. I needed at that time in my life for just, just to sit at his feet and be served by him.
0: Mm. That's so, that's so powerful too, just because, <laughs> you know, I think that's one thing that definitely as, you know, just being in ministry for a very short amount of time that I have, uh, but seeing it uh, growing up a pastor's kid, I know that like firsthand that the, that I guess you could say the power of your ministry comes from your personal worship with God, and so unless you're unless you're being fed, you're not going to be able to feed others. You're just going to be trying to feed someone else out of a you know an empty cistern, so to speak. And yeah, that's that's so that's so significant. I think for any person of any uh, any ministry capacity, uh, it begins with a personal, you know, as Paul Tripp has talked about in his book, Awe, you know, a personal. Awe of God. That's that's where it comes from. That's that's where your uh, your passion, your your source, your inspiration, your everything that that comes out in your ministry is is finds its its source in in that. And uh, that's why it's so so important. Yeah,
1: yeah, I totally agree. And like I can attest that even in the two months that we've been on the ground here um, in in Portland, Maine, um, beginning this planting journey um you know if i am not if i'm not in the scriptures and in prayer um and and doing those you know disciplines like i i can get so anemic and the enemy so quickly um can gain foothold just telling me like you're not going to make it here you guys are just like wasting your time you know just really the the attacks like people told us leading up to this like you know there will be spiritual warfare. You know, and it it wasn't until we really got on the ground where I was like, "Wow, like no, this is real. Like, like we are in a battle, and it's not against flesh or blood, um, but <laughs> it's against principalities and, and and I'm just like, I have all these bros, just like you know, <laughs> I'm like, guys, you need to, you just need to like pray for me, like, <laughs> pray that, pray that I'm like taking in daily the gospel for me because there's no way that it's going to get out to others.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> no, that And that's why, uh, you know, that, well, I don't know who said it first, you know, it's always probably misattributed, but, you know, the most important habit we can possess is to preach the gospel to ourselves. And that's something that um, just really is resonating with me just because, I, well, one, I know how stubborn I am, but number two, I know that I forget it every day, so I need to preach it to myself every day. And that's sort of kind of what has developed into, you know, me writing and doing all these things that I do online. It's not that, you know, I'm not out there to try and get retweets and followers and subscribers. (laughs) I'm out there just because I need the gospel every day. And so this is the way I get it to myself. It's just by thinking through things and and uh, writing and, and reading and all those sorts of things. And uh, that's why I'm so passionate about it because I, I know I need it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I know that you have been in ministry for a while now. And I, and I think you kind of touched on this in your different roles or uh, in different churches you've been in. So if you can just sort of uh, tell me about uh, each of those different uh, capacities you've ministered in and sort of how, they, how you think they've um, helped you to where you are now. I guess I would say.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So um, I, I've always thought that I've been like really bipolar for a long time, like in my, uh, my vocations. So I've always had like one foot in um, um, serving in some capacity, um, you know, part-time interning, things like that. um, And then one foot in some other type of work. And for a long time, it like really frustrated me. And so like, Um, all the way back to college, I, you know, interned at a church plant, was really able to help, um, kind of get that off the ground, work with the youth group a lot as they were in their infant seed stages. Um, while I was doing that, um, I got married and so I was also on the table working in, uh, a factory doing 12 hour shifts and, and, oh man, nothing, nothing in me wants to go back to that. Um. (laughs) while trying to finish up school. Um, so that, that was miserable. Um, mm-hmm. then I had the opportunity to, um, go part time, um, on staff, um, at a type of like leadership development program, um, at a church for three years in Minneapolis. Um, that was really probably one of the most instrumental periods of my life where I really got a, a seat at the table, um, with the leadership of that church. Um, Years, I, I didn't have a voice or a vote. Um, I just had a seat to um listen and to, to learn from very you know wise leaders. And and I so value that time. Um, things that I learned in that room over a period of years um, that, that I get in um, a seminary classroom. Um, and and I'll always be grateful that. God brought us to that, even though there was some really hard stuff that came out of that period yeah. um, uh, from there um, I went part time planting residency where my part time role well was uh, to facilitate some things such as growing um, the the community group or missional communities of that church plant in minneapolis um, uh, but primarily my uh, role uh, was to learn what it means to be a church planter. And and for me, that was just such a testament to a church that really say they value you. You know, we can say we value something, but unless we actually put our time and money behind that, you know, Mm -hmm. it's don't actually value it, right? And so this was a church that was saying, hey, we value multiplication. And even though we're a small church, We are going to actually put our money to that, and we're going to show that we do value that by actually supporting someone to learn. Will and so it was a two-year track of just um, being immersed in the world of church planting, Um, and and so that was that was you know another that was the position, if you will, immediately immediately preceding where we are now. So I think my. You know, ministry experience has been a little unconventional in that I've never been full time on staff somewhere. Um, but now being at, being a church planter in Maine, I see even in that how God providentially worked in all of those situations. Because even now, I'm not a full time supported. Um, you know, we're not doing the big, the big, huge launch. Uh, Thing and so I, I'm a bivocational church planter right now. Um, and the other models wrong or anything like that, I just we've chosen to do it this way. And so um, currently, I work in the insurance industry while also doing um, the church planting thing. And, and you know, God has my family, my wife, and I to really over the past five, six um, years get into rhythms where that's just, you know, that's not something new that we're having to learn or figure out. It's all oh, this is, us always been a natural rhythm of our life. Our lives. we just like kind of know how to, how to work with this. Um, and so even that used to frustrate me, like, Oh, I just want a full-time staff position at a church. Mm. Um, but looking back, I can see, man, wiser than us. Mm. That, that, <laughs>
0: That right there really resonates with me because, uh, I mean, I'll just share like, I I too have always sort of had this passion for a full-time ministry position, and it just seems like God was always saying no at every turn. And, you know, at times it was very discouraging and very depressing, and it would almost be like, you know, that fist-shaking attitude, like, why are you not letting me do this, God? And it was almost, it, it's interesting as I just look back on, you know, sort of my disgruntled phases in the season, you know, we go through seasons in life and seasons of just very, you know, I would say bitterness, just the fact that, you know, I, I see online, like all my, my social media friends are like at these really awesome churches and they're having thriving youth youth groups and everything. And it's just, and the, then I think, um, and then, you know, just this year, really, God has just really been working on me in the sense of being content right where you are. And the idea that, um, you know, just, you probably know this too, like with the various other jobs you've had, you are the only minister to those people that, you know, could ever really speak to them. Um, you know I work in the chemical field and uh full time right now, and I'm probably the only you know that you know colloquial phrase you're the only Bible some people will ever read and however trite that may sound, it's somewhat true in the sense that you know i these people are probably not gonna uh, cross the threshold of a church um unless I force them to somehow and you you're the grace that they need right where they are as you work with them as you interact with them and I think Realizing that has really like it sounds really simple, but it just really helped me to just be content with where I am and not get frustrated at the fact that I'm not a mega church preaching every week. I'm I, I'm preaching in a different way.
1: <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it, I I totally believe that what you're saying through or saying right now is something that like a lot of people, a lot of young guys, like have to work through and um you know one of the things that it has forced me to do is to really um sink deep into this belief that i have that the gospel does change everything that the gospel has something to say to vocational work right and so like when, when we talk about you know with Comment to his Luther on vocation and stuff, and when Luther talks about you know vocation in the world being something that is just you know the op- has the opportunity to glorify God and it does glorify God just by our like doing good work. Um, that's something that I can like I can say, I can preach, I can write about. Um, but like over the past like five six years, I've really been forced to like find the ways. Of of applying that in my life like what does that actually look like and i think that it is serving me well right now as i'm having to share that with others and will serve me in the future um, because i have have experienced that and i've had to i've had to grapple with the implications of the gospel and grace in the workplace um you know in something like insurance you know is a uh, um, and so I just think it's helpful. I think it's another tool that God um, is using and will use um, to, for for the gospel to go forward in this place and time.
0: Oh, for sure. For sure. And, and you know, as you sort of like, um, you know, I don't want to get too reflective, but as you sort of just think back, you know, we're both sort of young guys in the ministry, so to speak. And but what is like, <laughs> What is you, know, you could say this about pretty much anything, but like, what's one thing that you wish you could tell your you know nineteen year old self about the ministry?
1: <laughs> um, there's a few things running through my head right now, but one thing that kind of relates to this is, um, David, you are you're, you're only nineteen, <laughs> um, you're only twenty 23- three five, you're only twenty seven.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, one of the things that I th- think we need to continually hear and humbly take in is that we we are young, you know. And it's not to say that like young young guys and gals can't do you know whatever that like, God can't call them into something. But I think so often I would get I would get frustrated at that, um, and, and instead of just recognizing like man, what a gift these years are to, like, learn without some of the responsibilities of bringing a flock. Like, I think that at 19, I didn't realize what what some of the implications and pressures uh, that come with that look like, right? And, um, you know, now sitting here, it's like, man, like, like, God, God is entrusted, like, or will entrust, like, other believers to, to my care, like that is, that's a weighty responsibility. And had I stepped into that as a 19, 21 year old, like, I don't know if, I don't know if I would have, (laughs) um, I still not ready in a lot of ways. Um, but I, I really do. it, It cuts both ways because like, you know, I can I can make a case for like twenty seven is really old. Like twenty seven year olds are CEOs of major companies, like things like that. Like so, I think the church sometimes tends to uh, want men in particular to grow up, but then won't actually give responsibility that like forces them to grow up. So there's that aspect, but there is also the other aspect that I would say to younger guys, as a younger guy, like we can slow down, we can rest. Like God, God has you know, you, you have time, right? <laughs> um, and so I think that's one thing that comes to mind. I, I hope that it's helpful to someone, uh, listening to this. Um, uh, cause it is something that just like, I know I rest wrestled with. Um, yeah,
0: yeah. Well, me too. just like, I think back, the, the thing I keep referencing too is like, you know, when, when, not that it's bad, but, um, you know, when you're young, you have these ambitions and ideals to, you know, change the world and, and do all these things for Jesus. And, um, the thing that has most resonated with me is the fact that, um, that I'm, can just change the, the, I, the way I change the world is not by trying to change the world. It's just by trying to love the people that are right around me. And I think that's what resonates with me and what I want to, you know, it's not to say that you shouldn't be ambitious about, you know, world missions or, you know, planting a church just the fact that if it doesn't go as planned uh that's not the uh that's not the it doesn't signal the end of the gospel it's just you know god had a different plan for you and say, like,
1: your identity is as you say like your identity's not tied up in like having a big church or um getting the book deal or having a popular <laughs> blog um and that's thing that takes place And coming to that recognition, but it's a it's a beautiful dying because it means that our identity is being more firmly rooted in Christ alone. That's then that is another big thing. Even in the even in the decision to come back to Maine, there was a lot of that at work a couple years ago as we first started pondering that you know we were in a place where a lot of networks, there's a lot of connections, there's a lot of you know big names in in that area and so there's this aspect of like okay if you plant a church there and actually like uh you know do something half decent like oh you could really build a platform you could become someone and on me like calling me back to Maine it was like all right like am I ready to step into the shadows of a place a forgotten place like Maine you know, mega churches don't exist, and book deals don't exist. You know, things like this—all these trite things—like, um, really, giving up of a glory. And, and I remember reading through J.R. Vassar's book, Glory Hunger, and like asking myself, like, okay, am I okay with being a no one,
2: mm.
1: having a name? And at that point, I'm like, no, I wasn't. Like, there was still this, like motivations tinged by these impure impurities of like wanting to be known. And, you know, that's still there. Mm. right? Like I wrestle, I wrestle with every day. Um, it was like, that was something, especially a couple of years ago that was just like really, you know, David, you come to Maine, like, are you okay with laboring away with a small congregation, you know, of, for forty years, and like you know, dying, and really, I had to like answer the role of a shepherd, like um, because it wasn't necessarily what I was what I was defining it as. And you know, God is super gracious to bring me to a place where it was like, yeah, that's okay, because that is the call of the ministry, yep. like yep. to give yourself to word and prayer for the good of. The, the people that he is entrusted to you and it's like okay like that like that that is enough
0: yep yep and that that's that's, that's cool just cuz that's what that's what God has really been working on me uh recently as well as as I read through um book the imperfect pastor I don't know if you're familiar but what he says in there is that you know ministry requires you to do small, mostly overlooked things over a very long period of time. (laughs) And of ministry doesn't sound very, you know, sexy, um, but that's really what it is. You know, I think as a, as a, I thought of ministry as like preaching on Sundays and whatever. Uh, But really it's, that's not really what it is at all. Like my dad would tell you where um, he would tell me that preaching is the easy part. You know, it's Monday through Saturday, mm. you know, where you have to meet with, you know, a husband who uh, just is un- was just unfaithful with his wife and now they're going through marital problems. And then you have to go to the hospital to meet with someone who is on their deathbed. And then you have to go here and there. not that everything is tragic, but you're dealing with, with broken people and yeah they're christians and yeah we're of the family of god but the hard part is staying faithful in that sort of repetitious um part of the ministry where it's you're doing small things things that probably won't get noticed um but (laughs) that's what it means to minister it's not it's not uh matt chandler on sundays not i'm not trying to throw shade at matt chandler but it's not you know it's not just preaching uh on a big stage it's it's doing little things and doing small things uh, um, over a long, long period of time, like you said. Maybe even through forty years of, of ministry, <laughs> and that's yeah. what's really sort of like radicalized m- my sort of understandings of what it means to be a pastor.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. And like, as I as I continue to, sure, um, you know, and. I'm i I'm a dad to a couple kids and, you know, I think like as all of these progressions in life happen, like these, it's not that aspirations go away, but I think things just like our, our goals shift
2: yeah. mm-hmm.
1: and like, whereas I might see like being a 65 year old with a small congregation, um, you know, in the middle of nowhere, something bad. Um, as a failure, like I like see the beauty in that, because I've been exposed to a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I've seen the I've seen the ones who haven't made it at like thirty eight, thirty nine, um, you know, through whatever different scenarios. And I and I think to myself, wow, how beautiful would it be? How beautiful a picture of God's grace would it be if a broken dude like me? <laughs> um could be used to to minister the gospel to a few people for you know a, a given period of time like that. Mm. Um shift is something that I don't think is any less like fire to. Um yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: No, that's so good. And again, like <laughs> uh, we need the Matt Chandler's of course. I'm not like a you know bash him for what he's doing he's doing amazing things but the idea is that i don't i don't need that and i shouldn't aspire to that because that would be covetous in my own heart and i think what's really brought me to that point is you know because you know when i was younger I, I was you know craving that idea that stage that platform but now you know through the course of number one my my grandfather passing away last year and then through the course of becoming a father like like yourself, um, it really, like, cha- there's there's some things that really just changed in me, the fact that I, I don't need to aspire for um, notoriety, but um, now I, I, I like to call it quiet faithfulness. I just want to be faithful and not have a lot of people, I mean, I, I'm all for people reading what I write and all those kind of things, but I'm not really doing it for those motivations. Um, because I think about my grandfather, he, he served for, over 50 years in the ministry and he was at one point he pastored two churches at the same time in North Carolina. He was like a minister's minister and um, he's not going to have a plaque after his name or a statue made erected for him or anything like that, but he quietly and he faithfully served. And that's what I want to aspire to. You know, like, like you said, like being 65 and, you know, having your, having your, your your ministry your you know sort of Jerusalem that you're serving um that's that's what i aspire to and i i, I can hear it in in your voice too that that's that's what you ho- hope to uh hope to realize one day that's really good i, I i'm very passionate about <laughs> about that it's just been uh, something on my heart this year is uh, being a quiet and a faithful uh minister um But, uh, anyways, uh, another thing that sort of um, has been on my heart, especially this year, it's been sort of a tumultuous year um, in the news and whatnot and everything. And one thing that I would want to tell my younger self is um, that you, I would tell my younger self that I don't really have a good grasp of um, how much people need the gospel. (laughs) Just realizing how dark. These times, I think. No, I would also say that I don't have a good grasp of how to effectively communicate that to um, people that are going through dark times. I think of the people that have gone through shootings and and all the sorts of tragedies and whatnot. And I know I have the power of the gospel in me, the power into salvation. But this is where I would definitely chalk it up to um, a man that's much older than I am to speak to that, because. I I don't know if I'd have the words to say. <laughs> um yeah. but I sort think of so. a, go ahead.
1: <laughs> well um I, I was just gonna say like I, I think we're I, I really believe like I, I'm excited about the cultural moment that we're living in. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and sound like too triumphalistic or anything like that. Um I see the fractured state of our society here in the country that we live in. I think we're really uniquely positioned to preach the God, because there's so much hypocrisy that's so visible on every single side of the spectrum, um, on every issue, whether it be, you know, politics or social justice or, you know, you name, you bring up the news reel and. There's so much hypocrisy and it gives us the unique opportunity as ministers of the gospel to really harp on and and show the inconsistencies and hypocrisies in all of that, not to raise our own positions up, but to say like, no, you need the gospel and I need the gospel. (laughs) And really, that's the only like equalizer here. Exactly. There's nothing else that like levels the field, like the gospel does. That's right. And like, I think we can get like really discouraged and there should be um, a, um, you know, a somberness to to what's going on around us. But I think we can also like be very hopeful and take, take heart that there's also this like, it, it seems like a unique moment where like we, re- it, it's really visible if we look, hard enough and if we listen well enough, um, where we can just like pick out like the spots where the gospel fits in.
2: Mm.
1: Like insert gospel, like, oh, there it is again. Insert gospel. And like I I think that like that can filter through us and really speak to people who are searching for longing and meaning and significance and and healing um in ways that maybe they weren't even, you know, fifteen years ago. Um you know, at that, at that point. Mm, where you're going with that, but uh, that's where I went. (laughs) No, that's,
0: I'm so glad you brought that up because, and that's kind of what I wanted to bring it to. And yes, we are, you know, we, we sit here and we're recording this and we just went through this shooting in Texas. And yes, I know that there's tragedies that are happening all around us, but I think the hopeful side of this is the fact that number one, we know, um, that this darkness will never overcome the light of the gospel fact that um, this is our this is the prime moment for believers and guys like you and I and others who might be listening, this is their this is your time to speak the gospel into these moments. And I think just what you said is is so important. <laughs> that's why uh, um, I am wanting to encourage and pray for, Uh, guys like yourself to uh, be more vocal, uh, to be more confident, and to be more, um, you know, just uh, uh, courageous in their stand for the gospel in times like this, because this is when it's, like you said, this is when it's needed most.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. I think that uh, we, such an opportunity. I, I just think about the relationships that I have here in Maine um, in the place that we just left. And I, and I see it is like this people are primed to receive the gospel mm-hmm. um, in a way that I haven't in my short life seen, <laughs> seen before. And so even though all the surveys look doom and gloom about <laughs> religiosity and spirituality in the United States, um, okay, because the gospel is something all, uh, entirely different. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, And so, yes, like just constantly a prayer request since we've got here, we have a prayer team that prays for us. And um, one of the things that I just constantly have been asking them is, um, you know, please pray that we have eyes to see what's going on, ears to hear the words that are coming out of people's mouths so that we can speak the gospel into the unique situations and stories that we're hearing all around us. Yeah, um, because it's there, um, and we're just in our own little bubble and aren't listening.
0: <laughs> and to sort of bring it full circle, you do that by realizing that you're just as depraved as they are. <laughs> you know that sort of gospel wakefulness moment when you have, and that you have, and it, it, your passion, you know, for evangelism stems out of your need for that same, um, you know, evangel, that same good news. <laughs> um, And that's like the, what I do is, is remembering that I just need this. And so I'm just going to share this, (laughs) share the crap out of it. (laughs) Yeah,
2: definitely. Definitely. (laughs)
0: Um, You know, sort of as we um, bring things to a close, I don't want to keep you too long, but uh, I just really appreciate um, you sharing your heart for the ministry and and what you're doing in, in Portland and, um, the thrust of what I do, like the main part of what uh, I do and write for is geared towards, you know, guys like you and I, um, young men in the ministry thinking about ministry or or, or what have you. And so um, this, you know, may be a pandering question, maybe, but uh, if you were only allowed to sort of like say one thing to a group of that are in that sort of position, um, what do you think that one thing would be? can
1: you can you ask that one more time
0: Yeah no sorry um if you were in like sort of a group of young men and you were and these young men were you know getting ready for the ministry in some capacity uh if you were in that if that was your audience and you were allowed to say only one thing to them uh
1: what do you think that one thing would be I think we I think we've hit on it at various points I think that I would tell them as I need their constant reminder that, that I do need to be experiencing the gospel daily. Mm. Um, if, if I'm not experiencing the gospel daily, I can't enjoy the gospel daily. And if I can't enjoy the gospel daily, I'm not going to embody it daily. And if, if I'm not doing those things, you know, as a minister of the gospel, then more of what I, more is caught than is taught. You know, that's mm. an overused phrase, but it is. We, we absorb things by osmosis, like it's the water we swim in. And yep. so if we are not environments in which people around us can swim in the in enjoyment of the gospel and embodiment of the gospel that both us and our families create, um, you know, only by his grace, of course, then like, I, I don't think we're going to be as effective. And, and so I mentioned it a few times, like we, we really just daily need to be taking that in. Um, we really need to be seeing ourselves as the most in need of this message. And simultaneously the most, um, the most loved um, mm-hmm. by by Christ. Um, you know, as we see those things, I, I, I really think that our enjoyment, the, the height of our joy in the gospel, like becomes infectious to those around us. Mm. And, and that's what it's, that's what it's all about. Mm. That is, that's very true. I,
0: I That's very true. And I'm, I'll just, I'll just leave it there. I'll let you have the last word, David. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate your time and, you sharing your heart, and uh, I'll be praying for you and Jamie and and your boys to adjust again to Maine life and uh, get going there on the ground. And I'll be praying for you.
1: Hey, thanks so much, Brad. I really appreciate it. And um, if you're if you're ever ever up in Maine, uh, <laughs> look us up. Um, yeah, we uh, we look forward to uh, um, continuing to uh, grow and get established in this place. And um hopefully being a place for the guy england um in powerful ways
0: amen thanks david thanks And thanks again to David for taking the time to come on uh, the Ministry Minded podcast. I hope and pray that uh, you, the listener, found this conversation a blessing. I know I was greatly encouraged by it. Uh, It was awesome catching up with David and uh, speaking to him about his vision for church planting. Uh, Make sure you read the blog notes for this show and check out all the great resources listed there. And uh, that's it for today's episode of Ministry Minded. Uh, Thank you again so much for listening. Uh, If you like what you just heard, be sure and follow uh, the show on twitter at underscore ministry minded at underscore ministry minded on twitter you can also subscribe to the show on itunes on soundcloud and on google play and on youtube and if you're feeling really generous, uh, you can try and leave me a review in iTunes. That would go a long way in, in making show, uh, shows like this uh, continue to happen. So uh, thanks again uh, to the Christian Standard Bible for sponsoring this show. And thank you, as always, for listening and commenting and subscribing. I'll see you on the next one. Blessings.